Camarda Wealth offers complimentary, that's free folks, portfolio reviews to listeners. Get us your statements and we will thoroughly examine your portfolio, give you opinions on the risk and quality of each position you own, as well as how wisely we believe the whole thing holds together and how efficiently it addresses your needs and goals. At the same time, we'll also opine on how protected your assets are from financial predators, your estate plan, tax savings opportunities, and other ways we can think that you can cut risk, avoid probate, save money, and just plain get richer faster. Did I mention this service was free? Just call us at 888-CAMARDA, that's C-A-M-A-R-D-A, 888-CAMARDA, to set up your free portfolio review now. All right, you are back, folks, with the Commodore Wealth Education Leaders, continuing our discussion of, uh, please, please, please hold your uh, squeals and growls from the New York Times, Six Strategies to Buoy Savings in the Retirement Years. And uh, we talked uh, a little earlier about reducing the tax burden, which is critical in any, uh, really, any financial uh, management uh, um, uh, endeavor. But particularly for those that whose income is limited or so-called fixed income, uh, the more the government takes, the less is left over for you. And uh, playing back to a theme that Sonia mentioned earlier, get a reverse mortgage. And uh, you know, earlier in my career, in my studies, I, I wasn't a great fan of reverse mortgages, but I've come to find as costs have come down and these products have become uh, um, increasingly standardized and normalized, government guaranteed in most cases. They're an important financial tool to really be able to get uh, um, access to equity in a home, to cash in on an asset that's otherwise frozen in many cases until death if, uh, um, if the folks want to stay in the house. So reverse mortgages, uh, most of which, uh, as we mentioned, are backed by the feds, uh, let people over the age of 62 that have substantial home equity uh, tap into it. It doesn't have to be paid back until the borrower dies. Uh, there are no loan calls. Uh, it's a pretty sweet deal in the right fact pattern. And I'd like to hear what our retirement experts, uh, RNS, that's for Rob and Sonia, have to say about this. Speak. Rob, you I'm speak gonna, first. I'll, 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 I'll turn Rob. it over to Rob in just a second. I just want to clarify one point. You want to make sure that you're planning to stay in your home until you kick the bucket. Um, because once you move out, what a delightful euphemism! Well, we are ju- we are just full of uh, non-political correctness. <laughs> I feel like there was the, <laughs> what is this, the little rascals? Oh, Rob says you might as well have Nurse Helga back. Hey, spank, spank, you hold that coffin. The, uh, so yeah, it's critically important because if you do sell your home um, while you're still alive, or if the, your surviving spouse does, yep. then you have to pay it off, right? Exactly. And you might not be able to. Right. Uh, however, in most cases, you wouldn't sell it unless there was enough loan, pro- unless uh, sale proceeds be paid off. Uh, so it, it may or may not uh, be a good thing to do. But you should right. plan on staying there for your lifetime in order to drive the strategy because the way these loans are structured, they're very, very expensive, and there's a lot of different accounts and so forth. Rob, let me, uh, let me stretch out here on the couch. And you give us some more technical details about the reverse mortgage, okay? All righty, Rob. Well, you know, you definitely want to shop around. You know, there are there is some different product out there. You also need to know that, you know, you're going to have to take an educational class as part of the requirement. You know, I don't want to go to class. To, to, be, uh, you know, to be able to get it, you need to be at least age 62. Are you teaching the class? Keep it classy. Uh, no. no, no. Uh, I used to work for a company that was very big in that, and they uh, – they, uh, were I don't care if you pass the test. I still you still have to listen to everything, even yeah. if you know it, right, Rob? Uh, wait, wait, wait! Don't make a decision yet. I have to tell you some more. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I always feel like I want to impart as much wisdom as I can before you make the final decision. I think that's very wise. You certainly are nothing if not a cornucopia of uh, um, uh, of uh, very arcane facts. He's Robopedia. But but clearly, you know, looking at a reverse mortgage should be a part of the arsenal that you consider. And uh, if you haven't done it yet, and as you get to some older ages, if you don't have the the, the cash flow you'd like to have, you know, the loans that are available on that, you know, they lend you more uh, the older you are. And uh, But you still want to make sure you still got some equity in the house, you still got to maintain yeah. the house. So there's really is a long, there's a, an annuity or an actuarial component, of course. Yes. So the older you are, um, the less, uh, the, the more they'll give you, the greater loan to value because the shorter the period uh, when they uh, would expect uh, you to sell a house and pay or your estate to sell a house to, to repay the loan, right? Right. So yeah. if you're like 40, they're not going to you not can't even get one, but just to you know to make a, a um, uh, an exaggerated example, you're probably going to be around for 50 years maybe, so that that you're going to you know the uh, by the time that the house is sold to repay the, the the loan, the interest, you know, the compound Interest, which is not which accrues, you don't have to pay it each year, is going to get huge, far more than the house sure. is worth. Yep. Uh, and the other, you know, the other caveat is if you're on a, if you have a significantly younger spouse, you know, you may not be able to get as much out because they're going to look at how much they lend you based on the uh, younger of the two participants. That's where you'd really want to use a floating, sp- uh, uh, a floating spouse, spouse provision. provision. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean the one in the swimming pool. Is that face up or? <laughs> All right, and finally, uh, the sixth, uh, or sorry, the uh, um, the, the fifth uh, um, the strategy in this times piece: bite my tongue, buy an annuity uh, to ensure the base. And we're talking about an immediate annuity, plain bill of the kind that just pays you basically you pensionize part of your assets in order to get a paycheck you can't outlive. To ensure the basics are covered, <laughs> healthy retirees should use a portion of their modest portfolio to buy a plain annuity giving money to an insurer in exchange for a guaranteed stream of income for a life. Why do you think they say healthy retirees, guys, huh? Well, because your, your hope is that you're going to have a, a long lifespan and that you're going to receive the money for a long time. If you choose an option that only pays out for your lifetime with no contingency, if you die tomorrow, <laughs> you don't get any more money. Yeah, so if you put $100,000 for 3000 a year or 4000 a year, which probably is, is in the zone there, and you die tomorrow, you only get those payments. If you got three, you get die for the first year, you have a $97,000 loss. Right. So you want to, an annuity is really structured to uh, to benefit those that live to normal life expectancy or beyond. Have you seen any uh, any rated annuities, so to speak, where the payout is greater based on, uh, on the, poor health? They used to be much more prevalent. I mean, if you have a situation where your health is is such that you are older than your your true age because of your health, you know, you can put together documentation and approach only a, a couple of companies to see if you can get a payout that's higher. They used to call them impaired risk annuities, but that, that market is really much, much smaller than it used to be. And then finally, you know, uh, um, tip number six, which is why I said finally for buying annuities. So this is kind of tongue-in-cheek. Hopefully it was on the Times part as well. Radically downsize or move. I will read this verbatim. There is uh, the selling the family house approach to downsizing, and then there is what Bob and Carol Hammerslag did. They moved from their farm in Essex, New York, to the Philippines in 2006. Mr. Hammerslag said that they could afford to live there on 2000 a month. Retiring overseas, he said in an email, was part of my long-term plan 
to survive retirement. If he survives the third world, I might add. He didn't take Malaysia either. Oh, no, that wasn't. That was uh, <laughs> if, if, if the, 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 I might add. Oh, not, he got there. The I'm sorry, of course. And I can tell you that it's very, very tempting, but it's also not without its, uh, its other problems. And there is, uh, we had uh, one of our, at our client advisory uh, board meeting a few weeks ago, one of our board members is a, uh, is a client, and I'll tell you a little bit about him. And he's also agreed, by the way, to be on the show. Yeah, he'll be back. But for now, we'll call him Agent X. Agent X is a former FBI operative. He was involved in a lot of other pretty interesting stuff that I don't. I'll let him bring up if he wants to. But he's a pretty shrewd dude, and uh, now involved in uh, um, in security, internet, and uh, credit card fraud, and that kind of security to help companies uh, really protect from uh, um, from electronic uh, theft and fraud. And he told us last night about Honduras, you know, which is another lovely beckoning Central American mecca for uh, for retirement. He said every house there, it doesn't matter how how expensive, valuable has every house in Honduras. He said it is a there's a concrete wall six to eight feet around it. Then there's a layer of razor wire, and on top of that, there's a layer of electrified wire. But they leave the they, doors unlocked. Every yeah, every <laughs> every every house. Can you imagine? You know the crime and and the uh, uh, and the threats and the risk. You know, so living in the third world, and most of these places are cheap to live in. There's a reason. Um, or there's Alisa not without a downside. So we hear a lot of good things about Costa Rica, for instance. But that really is the West Coast. The East Coast, I understand, is uh, really quite barbaric. Uh, really, so relatively speaking. All right, so uh, that's so much uh, for the times. We'd like to get, you know, keeping up with the times and what has uh, been transpiring in the markets, you know, as this vol- this post-August volatile period hopefully will be settling down. But going forward, there's really, really not a lot of uh, um, the, uh, the clarity on what's going to happen, uh, except that eventually, eventually, and that could be a couple of months, a couple of years, you know, calm down and we'll probably get another... Nice uh, spike up as the ball resumes. Um, but here are some questions to think about as investors in terms of motivation. You know that financial therapy, talking to people about money, is becoming a very serious academic discipline. That Kansas State offers a doctorate in financial therapy, PhD <laughs> in financial therapy. So tell me how you feel about your money, Rob. Tell me how you feel about your moose antlers we first. Why, why, and then how does that affect your wallet? I was going to say, do, that's do we know what the employment placement is in that area? That particular topic. So this is from the uh, the Wall Street Journal, and they ask you this question, which you might want to ask: When you buy and sell stocks or other investments, you think you have a good chance of doing better than the average investor. And if the answer is yes, why? What do you base that belief on? Past experience of success, having a really good investment advisor. Or just that innate, maybe you know, arrogant you know, um, the, um, supposition that gee whiz, it's not going to happen to me, and I'm going to beat the odds. But it's important to know why, if you really feel that way, because most people are wrong, aren't they, Rob? I, I would say they, there's a good chance that they are. Here's here's another one. If you have a losing investment, are you reluctant to sell it? I think a lot of people have. A lot of people them. are. They become they emotionally attached. attached for whatever reason. This is, yeah, behavioral finance has been pretty much uh, evolving over the last few years. Yeah, so when. Of the boot stuff, right? And what would the reason be? Because they don't they want to wait for it to come back. I don't want to take a right. loss. Or Sold they don't, want, they don't yeah. want to admit they made a mistake. Or they don't want their spouse to know they made a mistake. Well, oftentimes, taking the first loss is your best loss. Cognitive distance. I always feel that way. Tell I'm so refreshed after the first loss, I could go on, you know, for the course. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
Um, here, do you make investments with the aim of reducing your taxes? How many people let the uh, the tax tail wave the investment moose, Rob? Well, I think you know the smart person is the one who's going to try to. What is the best investment decision, and what? And when I do that, is there a way to maximize a positive tax benefit? Yeah, but the tax piece is really a relatively small component. If you make money, you got to pay some of taxes. You still have a lot left over. And if it's long-term capital gain, you have a lot left over. Um, but you don't want to make it. Or another great one is municipal bonds. Like this one lady, I think, and you brought this up uh, um, uh, from this case, lawyer referred to us. Uh, she's in a low tax bracket. You were stupid enough to ask that question. But she's got a lot of municipal bonds. But she's in a low tax bracket. Oh, so it's tax-free. But if you're not paying any tax at all, she would have been better in taxable investments because she'd have, she'd have more left over after paying yeah. her low tax rate, right? Yeah. That's a great example. Right. And, and, there was, and there was some interest rate risk as well as credit risk in that portfolio that, uh, you know, over and above. George, you like, so basically I think that the point here for the point here for our listeners is you want to, if you have bonds or any kind of investment, really, you want to scrutinize them to see just how risky they are and what you know the other attributes are that make sense for you. Just because it's paying a nice interest rate doesn't mean you don't have a junk bond that may not blow up and you could lose all your money, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how about imagine that you're given it at a, you're given a task at work that you really don't want to do. That happens so often around here. Amen. That you really don't want to do. But you're told that if you do it, you'll make an extra $1,000. Excuse me, if you're told if you do it, you'll make an extra $15. Now imagine <laughs> you're told that if you don't do it, you'll lose $1,000 this year. Excuse me, if you don't do it, you lose $10,000 this year. <laughs> Under which scenario are you more likely to do the job? And, of course, to go to, are people more motivated by the, the, the lust for gain or the fear of loss? Risk aversion. Mm-hmm. And, and what is it? What is the it? The fear of loss fear of will loss. drive them to avoid that more than a gain. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, interesting points. And as Jonathan mentioned, behavioral finance, which really, you know, they used to think that markets are rational and people make rational decisions. Economics is based on that. But, I mean, come on. Do people make rational decisions? No. That's where opportunities no. present themselves. They make emotional, ignorant decisions, and that's behavioral finance and, and the heuristics, you know, which are, you know, kind of shortcuts we use to make decisions that govern behavior. And as Jonathan mentioned, that really gives you the opportunity as an educated, uh, competent, um, the, uh, um, the, uh, logical, rather than emotional investor to exploit opportunities to make maybe more money than you might otherwise be able to make. So, folks, you know, in that vein, uh, I wish we, had, we could go on afternoon. This is an interesting topic. Uh, but the, uh, we wanted to give you the opportunity to have your own roadmap to make logical, well-considered, competent, expert decisions. And if you'd like to be able to avail yourself of that boon, call us for the nine biggest dangers facing today's investor. And by golly, what to do to avoid them. Call us at 800-262-1083. That is 800-262-1083. Stand by for a most exciting entertainment beloved segment of the show. Hot Stocks, Johnny Camarda in a capillary of different voices being pursued by the Raging Moose. Stay with us for Rocky and Bullwinkle right after the break. Camarda Wealth Leaders' levity is intentional as we aim to be the car talk of financial radio, entertaining, hugely funny, and offering penetrating financial insight and rare expertise across a broad spectrum of wealth-related topics. 
We're dead serious about money, but want you to have fun too and laugh all the way to the bank. Unlike many financial radio shows, this is not one long commercial or constant annuity pitch. I hate those constant annuity pitches. This is Wealth Education Radio, and we aim to share best financial practices that can truly supercharge your wealth. Do we expect some of you will want to become clients? Sure, but because the chemistry is right and because you come to believe that the wealth leaders, that's us, can get it done better than your other choices. That's your decision. But when it comes to investing, we're fiduciaries. We put our clients' interests first, and that's a promise you can take to the bank. For more information and free reports, call us now at 888-CAMARDA. That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A. Do it now while it's on your mind, folks. And now, it's time that most of you, well, some of you, well, hopefully some, a couple of you anyway, have been waiting for, it is Cousin Johnny Kamada with his endless cascade of fascinating, entertaining, sometimes hilarious, and certainly market-informative characters. Who you got in the box today, Johnny? Well, I'm Who's back, popping out? I'm back from my sabbatical, speaking of popping out. <laughs> anyway, listen, as we kind of go through some of the rummage of the uh, actual carnage and the rebound here, a couple of things that I've been looking at very closely at my time off. Uh, you know, Chinese stocks, I'm um, looking at perhaps finding a little bit of a short-term bottom here as they're hitting a support zone going back that essentially has been the fact since late 11 right through 14 China has come down to the level it's almost at now and bounced every time Hong Kong looking at another support level and then I'm also looking at just emerging markets in general from a macro end actually hitting the same support level right on the dot from late 2011 and we all remember that year right so anyway so I'm looking at at least a short term bounce from that standpoint now as we move domestically you know <laughs> I wanted to get into you know some real damage that we've done to the S&P the Russell 2000 but all of them have not gone lower in fact they've settled higher than last October that's 2014 Rob last October's mm. lows so again I'm looking at least for the short term bounce that we've already seen to see if we can hold there and due to some economic data that Jeff alluded to before that it looks like you know perhaps we might find a home and start to move on up as uh, George Jefferson used to say now as we move on Another thing I'm looking at is that the volatility index, the VIX, I'm not talking about your medication you take oh, for your sinuses, Rob, okay. but the actual volatility yeah. index hit really a high that it hasn't hit since 2011. Generally, that's an oversold, which means stocks have gone too low environment. So again, that's kind of confirming some of the bounce. Now, as I move on, I know <laughs> you're going to throw something at me when I say this, but when I'm looking at energy as a possible bottom, wait really possibly i'm going back to where it settled back in 2012 and uh, 2011 it's getting right near that level again so i'm looking at oil and energy possibly not really that i want to put my whole leg in but maybe my little toe that maria almost chopped off looking at that area she drinking rockstar again absolutely (laughs) baby it's looking really good we'll get ricky gervais in here perhaps uh, another week we talk about rockstar but as we move right along right now i wanted to uh that was kind of redundant. But the four sectors that I'm looking at right now that I actually held up well during this drop, home construction. Now, we talked about this a while, home building. Now, that goes right along in the line, right, of the economic picture that Jeff alluded to before. Okay, that's the last one. And that, that definitely <laughs> supports that. Two other sectors that I've actually been optimistic on is uh, there's Rob. <laughs> Rob, get off of my leg. <laughs> I'm getting a calf workout. 
Uh, you know, the other areas that I'm looking at as well are, a, uh, you know, uh, retail looking pretty strong relative, as well as some other sectors that probably we don't want to get into the details of right now. Uh, you know, healthcare. Food and beverage looks good. It's football season, right? So that's a pretty good sign there as we found some real, real good support that was actually relatively strong to the market, which in English means it dropped less during the recent carnage. Now, a couple of the areas that continue to be the whipping boy of the market is precious metals. So all of you, now how many times have I told all of you, step away from the Bloomberg late night commercials about how it's time to buy gold. Okay, stop it. I'm going to come out to your house. All right, precious metals continue to take a hit right now. And the thing I want to, we're not even going to spend more time than I'd stay away. Now, the one interesting thing I was going to mention is the currency situation, I think, supports a bounce in stocks with further strength. And that has been really the August bounce in the euro, yen. Uh, and that has essentially been from short covering from a carry trade. Now, in English, what that is, folks, is when investors basically sell a weak currency, a relatively safe currency like the euro, the dollar, or the yen, and then they buy riskier assets. So, you Arnie, this is good for the U.S. stocks, European stocks, or what? What kind of stocks are you talking about? Everybody, I mean, especially the European stocks, as the euro is now getting weaker because the short covering is done and it's resuming its downtrend. Germany, love Germany, can export more essentially with a weaker euro uh, and uh, the yen as well. Of course, I'm still not that optimistic as on uh, Japan, as you probably saw the Buffett warning indicator on Japan a few weeks ago. But it is looking good, especially in the short term, as those currencies weaken for stocks perhaps to continue to a little bit more of a resilient workout to the upside. Pump you up, baby. Who I wants more? Profit. Who wants more? You know you want more, but to get more, you must come back next week to listen to Kamada Wealth Education Radio right here on WOKV, Sundays at 5, and Tampa's WBA, AMA 20 Saturdays from 1 to 2. We will listen. We will see you all, metaphorically speaking, next weekend. Thank you, and have a profitable week. Goodbye. You've invested yet another hour in Camarda's Wealth Education Radio, your one source for sublime insight on all things financial. As Ben Franklin said, pour the coins from your purse into your mind and your mind will fill your purse with gold. Remember the Camarda Wealth Leaders' warm offer of a complimentary review of your investments portfolio. That's a free analysis from the financial team with almost more letters than in the entire alphabet. An offer that makes old Ben smile even now. To get yours before we change our minds, call 888-CAMARDA. That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A. Call now before we run out. That's it for this week, folks. Go forth and profit. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers, and may not reflect the opinions of the advertisers or broadcaster. Performance results are presented net of fees and reflect the reinvestment of dividends and capital gains. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that future performance of any specific investment or strategy will be profitable or equal to past performance levels. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Changes in investment strategies, contributions, withdrawals, and or economic conditions may materially alter the performance of your portfolio. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk. There can be no assurance any specific investment strategy will be suitable or profitable for any client's investment portfolio. Historical results for investment indexes or categories generally do not reflect the of transaction fees or custodial charges or an investment manager's fees, the presence of which could reduce the client's actual performance results. There are no assurances that a portfolio will match or outperform a particular benchmark. Asset allocation and diversification do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. That testing involves a hypothetical reconstruction based on past market data of which the performance of a particular account would have been if the advisor had been managing an account using a particular investment strategy. Performance results presented do not represent actual trading using client assets, but were achieved through the retroactive application of a model that was designed with the benefit of hindsight. Back tested performance results have inherent limitations, particularly that these results do not represent actual trading and do not reflect the impact 
impact of material market or economic conditions or factors that may influence the advisor's decision-making if the advisor were actually managing the client's money. Back-tested results should not be viewed as indicative of the advisor's skill, as they do not reflect the results achieved by any particular client of the advisor. Barron's rankings are survey-based and not made as a result of primary research by Barron's, but from information provided by ranked advisors. It should not be assumed that all advisor-based data is checked by Barron's.